Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This with Junior Renee Bobrun. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation that is now in its 87th episode and about a year long. So please feel free to go back and revisit all of the previous 86 or so episodes so you can get more acquainted with this platform. And um, I usually, during the conversation, I will sort of intimate what this platform is about and what we do and sort of reinforce the ethos to a certain degree. If you're a returning listener, thank you again for lending me your ears. It is much appreciated. Thank you guys for sharing the videos. I've been getting... A lot of email engagement, more than usual, um, which lets me know that there's a certain level of activity going on where people are actually being proactive and sharing bits and pieces of this conversation. I've also I've always suggested to people I know this is a long form conversation. I don't want people to get intimidated by the hour and some change that some of my uh, uh, rants go on, because if there's something important that you feel that you'd like to discuss with a friend, colleague, coworker, partner, whatever case, acquaintance, uh, affiliate, you can always say, hey, listen, you can point them to a specific time frame within the actual conversation. So it could be, oh, 24 minutes and 23 seconds to 38 minutes and such and such. Listen to that part if you don't want to listen to the whole thing. So the great thing about this platform is you guys get to listen at your leisure. You get to take as much information as you want. You can either take it, sit down in one sitting and have the whole conversation or you can have it in bits because it's, you know, you can pause it, go back to it. It's awesome. Ride your bike, cardio while you're washing dishes, have your headsets on wireless and just do what you got to do while listening or before you go to sleep, you know, listen to me if that helps. I'm sort of like easy listening. My voice, I know someone told me that someone's like, June, you sound like smooth. 101 FM. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> but then I had another friend said, I like listening to your show, but if I listen to you right before I go to sleep, now I'm up thinking about all the things that you brought up. So it's, it's, it's hilarious. I, I hear a lot of different um, reactions to this, this, this thing of ours that we're creating as we go along. Um, and I thank you guys. If you guys do have any questions, concerns, criticisms, anything, collaborative uh, uh, opportunities, interview opportunities, investment, donational opportunities, anything, please feel free to email me at whoseworldisthis21 at gmail.com. That's whose, W-H-O-S-E, whoseworldisthis21 at gmail.com. Our Instagram page is whose world is this 2021. So please feel free to follow that page. Send me direct messages. I will answer them as they come in in the order that they have been received. And I will get back to each and every last person. I've had several very robust exchanges online. I say right now I'm in the middle of three active conversations that are going back and forth with people um, from the U.S. and Canada and someplace else. I can't remember if it's. Australia or it's Netherlands. I can't remember, but um, it's very interesting conversations and all of them have to deal with a specific episode, but yet it's the perspectives about that specific episode. And it's, we'll get to that maybe in another episode. We'll get to that. It's very, very important. Good stuff. 
and I'm happy. That makes me very, very happy that these exchanges are occurring because, like I said, this is what this is about. This is a long-form conversation. This is not sound-bite media. This is long-form. It's not two and a half minutes of some corporate entity narrowing the conversation to what they want you to think and then you know you making a, an opinion based on the little narrow perspective that they've given you you know it's like narrow the conversation narrow the perspective then you narrow the um opinions you narrow the inquiry it's not what we do here we expand the conversation here it may be a bit offensive it may be provocative it may be evocative it may trigger it may do all of these things but what it does is it expands the conversation it's not just June rattling off stuff. It's, it's, it's expanding the conversation, whether we're using historical data, current data, revelations, perspectives, etc. You know, I may be bringing up things to you that are not my opinion, but it's something that may have been introduced to me. And I feel it's necessary to make an informed, enlightened, improved opinion on, upon a particular subject and events that affect all of us across the planet i happen to be born and raised in the united states of america what the u.s does affects everybody but guess what a lot of things going on in a lot of places that we don't pay attention to affect us as well and if we really consider ourselves a global human family whether it's happening in the ukraine or uganda it affects us whether it's happening in new mexico or new guinea it affects us or whether it's happening in the Netherlands or if it's happening in Compton or whatever, it affects us. This is what's important about this. Whose world? Is, this is our world. And these are the people that are in it. You know, so who how we approach this global family is going to say a lot about us. How we feel about each other says a lot about how we feel about ourselves, says a lot about us. Our opinions are who we are in any case. Don't forget, guys, check out ChavezHouse.com, C-H-A-V-E-S. That's Chavez with an S, not a Z, with an S. ChavezHouse.com for your journals, your decorative notebooks. Uh, make great gifts for you or for someone else. We have uh, gratitude daily journals. We have travel logs, fitness journals for men and women decorative notebooks with different countries the eiffel towers on one the american flag is on another one jamaican for caribbean flags african flags european flag it's awesome if you go to chavez house publishing on amazon you will get the expanded list as well and make sure that everything is authored by lenore batista she is the singular author of these journals and create creator of these journals also she has the how to be a successful self-publisher blueprint, which was number one in its genre last year when it debuted. And it's doing pretty decently. I don't want to say pretty well, because that would be, it's doing decent. It can do better because we have to do better at getting it to the people. And they're our number one sponsor right now of this show. And I'm using several products, the Gratitude Journal, the Titan Log Fitness Journal, and I'm using the self-publishing blueprint as we speak. By the way, I, I I get to them at least three times a week. Each one of those books, okay? Ah, oh, good lemon water, very good for you. Anyway, what are we going to talk about today, guys? Usually, um, for those who haven't listened to me before, I usually go on one big rant. 
very few notes, if any. Sometimes I have buzzwords that I have on a piece of paper just to make sure that I always get back to those buzzwords. I'll have a word and I'll call, let's say the word is anarchy. And I'll have a whole lot of things on anarchy just in my head based on what I know. So I don't, this is usually one topic and I usually have one stream of consciousness about a particular topic. Today is going to be a little different. I'm going to break it down in a couple of segments. I'm going to do a segment about one thing and then I'm going to lead into another segment about another thing. Um, uh, the thing I wanted to talk about, and it may seem pretty random and maybe out of, you know, usually the normative uh, conversations. I'm going to talk about Kyrie Irving. <clears throat> if anyone who doesn't know who Kyrie Irving is, Kyrie Irving is a professional basketball player in the National Basketball Association, the NBA in the United States. Kyrie Irving is a world champion. I mean, a, a NBA champion. He won a, a NBA championship with the Cleveland Cavaliers alongside LeBron James when they beat the Golden State Warriors in seven games. In the, uh, uh, I think that was 2016. I'm not. A, I can't remember. Um, I'm a big LeBron James fan. Just in the interest of full disclosure, um, a huge supporter of LeBron. Uh, and Kyrie Irving was his, let's say, his number two on that team at the time. Their separation was, you know, let's just, I wouldn't call it acrimonious, but it was, you know, and on, you know, Kyrie Irving wanted to do his own thing, went to other teams subsequently. In any case, Kyrie Irving has been in the news over the last year for un, I want to say off the court situations, but it's still on the court because he abstained from taking the COVID-19 vaccine, which is mandated in New York City. For you, at the time, if you wanted to engage in any indoor activities in New York City, the five boroughs, which consist of Manhattan, Brooklyn, the Bronx, Queens, Staten Island, okay, you had to have the vaccine. So for Kyrie Irving to play in the Brooklyn arena, which is where he plays now, Brooklyn Nets, in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, for him to be able to play there, the f there's an 82-game regular season, not including the 16 games in the playoffs if you make it that far to the last game of the season, which is 82 games. 41 of those games are played in your hometown, your home floor, and then the other 41 are dispersed throughout the National Basketball Association nationwide in the contiguous United States. So based on that, based on the fact that he abstained and the reason why he abstained is he said, I want, I need more information. So he pretty much informed the NBA and he informed his team that he was not going to get vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccine. He's been lambasted and raked over the coals by the mainstream media for his stance. He has not gone out on several news outlets and said, I'm not taking it for this reason and you shouldn't either. No, he just said, it's a, my personal decision. It's my body, my body, my choice. We'll get back to that. And he said, I'm, I'm just not comfortable with taking this vax. So he's been called um, uh, selfish. He's not being a team player. He's not being a good teammate. He's not being a good American citizen. He's not being patriotic. He should have done it for the team. He should have done this for the team. That's all I've been hearing. All I've been hearing. And, you know, now um, 
the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets has said in not so many words, we want to make sure that the people that we have here want to be here and are going to be selfless and selfless and do things for the greater good and the bigger good and the greater good of the team. And that's all I've been hearing, as if this man subjecting his body to something that he's not comfortable with. But yet everyone's telling him to do general consensus isn't always correct. Right. Just saying. Okay, And so. I found it to be quite inaccurate that that sort of narrative was being bandied about because there were several NBA players and several NFL players and several people that voiced their concerns about this particular issue, but were, were, were shouted down by corporate and media forces. That's not me being conspiratorial. You look at it yourself, the coercion that's existed. It was either get jabbed or else. So a friend of mine, I'll never forget, a friend of mine, um, a good friend of mine actually, had on his in Instagram, and I thought that this was quite provocative, what he said. He said something that was interesting. He said, everyone standing with Ukraine but couldn't stand with their coworkers, neighbors, and even family members for the past two years when they decided to abstain from the COVID-19 vaccine. That's a serious statement. That's a serious statement because I've seen families fractured and I've spoken about this several episodes in 2021, in late 2021, about how many families were being fractured during the holiday season due to their quote unquote vax status. And people are standing with the sovereignty of Ukraine, but not people's sovereignty over their body. My body, my choice. We have a Roe v. Wade conversation going on in the United States where women are fighting for their reproductive rights, their body, their choice, having total autonomy over their body, total sovereignty over their body. Now, when we look up sovereignty, it says supreme or ultimate power. That's what sovereignty is. People were saying, oh, Ukraine has the right to deal with the NATO. Ukraine has the right to deal with the United States. However, it sees fit. Russia has no right to invade. Agreed. Russia has no right to just invade a country that is not being aggressive towards it. That is the truth. What Vladimir Putin has done, and I've spoken about this in, USA versus, uh, in my USA versus Russia, Ukraine conversation. I was like, you know, do I disagree with uh, Russia Invading the Ukraine? Yes, but I disagree with a whole lot of invasions that have occurred and a whole lot of sovereignties that have been usurped or undermined. But the word sovereignty is very, very interesting. Supreme, absolute, unlimited, unrestricted, unrestrained, unbounded. That's what's synonymous with sovereign. Now, what gets to act in an unrestrained, absolute, unlimited, unbounded way. Nobody, nothing. Maybe a dictator. That's it. Maybe a king or a monarch of old. That's it. Anyone acting supremely, absolutely unlimited, unrestricted, and unrestrained is considered a monarch. It's considered a Kim Jong. You're considered a beast. So sovereignty is not exactly, hmm, it's not accurate. Because no one gets to act, no country gets to act in an absolute way. You have borders that are recognized and respected, but you, there's an interdependence between you, the people that voted you in, 
other countries and borders that you do business with and transactions with and uh, that you're invested in their stability because their stability oftentimes can affect your stability. Um, so this idea of absolutes, hmm, not quite right. My body, my choice. Let's get back to that. So here is Kyrie Irving now being raked over the coals, being called selfish by every media person who had to take the vax themselves, whether they wanted to or not. And you haven't seen anyone in that mainstream, what I'd like to call lefter-leaning media, um, come out against the vac, come out against being coerced into taking it. People say, yeah, you have the freedom not to take it, but yet the corporations and things like that have the freedom not to hire you or keep you or, you know, you know take away your uh, passports and this, that, and the third. So it's interesting to me the conversations that are going on in the United States right now between the left and this is i'm not going to say that abortion and, and 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 certain things like that are a left issue it is a real true sovereign issue about reproductive rights and the autonomy that a person has over their body but if you notice most of the opponents of abortion in congress and in our politics seem to lean to the right and most of the proponents of pro-choice and a woman's reproductive rights and her autonomy are on the left. But it's that same left that was pushing everyone to get vaxxed. And then there was another part of the left and the right that was saying no. There were hundreds of thousands of people who've taken to the streets in this country and across the planet. There are lawyers all over the world right now that are taking cases pro bono saying that these mandates were an overreach and there wasn't a wait for it there wasn't a conversation among the people of the world so let's take this for instance let's take me personally for instance i come from a science family mostly everyone in my family is is, is in the medical field doctors nurses whether it's an er nurse geriatric nurse bacteria working in, in, in labs. I have scientists who work in blood labs. I was surrounded by science. Growing up, social studies, English, and science, those were my subjects. I loved, loved, loved science. Loved, loved, loved English. and loved social studies. Those are my favorite subjects. As a kid, I subscribed to the scientific journal. I enjoyed reading about discoveries. I enjoyed reading about bacterias and things like that. So in the back, back, back of my mind, I kind of thought I would probably get into the sciences, maybe paleontology, things like that. I didn't want to be a nurse or a doctor. I just thought about animals and science and discovery. Things under a microscope just intrigued me as a kid. And as you can see, I use a sort of a scientific way. I, I put life under a microscope. So there's almost a scientific way that I approach politics. I approach people. I, I look for the pathology. I look forensically at, at how things are, came to be what they are. So there's still a little bit of that in me. So up until my 20s, I subscribed to scientific journals. And I remember as a kid watching the news and hearing Ah, after decades, this particular medicine is now eligible for human trials. It has shown vast improvement and breakthroughs 
while being experimented on rats or primates, rodents or primates. And now after decades, years and years and years, now it's ready for human trials. And I would always be intrigued by that. So you know what I would do in my teens? I would go to the library because there wasn't any internet. I would go to the library and go, well, listen, do you have the latest information on this? Where do I get information on that? Oh, that's not out yet. I just saw it on the news. Oh, it was in such and such journal. So if it was some information I missed, I would go check. When my mom was studying to become a nurse, English is her third language. So she's learning how to be a nurse while still learning how to speak English. So guess who was helping her with the translations when she was going for her LPN license and her RN license? Well, by the time she got to her RN, she had already been proficient. Well, my mom was becoming a licensed practical nurse. I was the one that was helping her with her work. I was the one pronouncing these words and helping define. My mom is a remarkable woman. For a woman to have English as her third language, she has her English as a second language dictionary there. She has her medical dictionary and she has her nursing homework and she got it done and still graduated as one of the top people in her class. She's a remarkable human being because a medical terminology is a language onto itself. And this is a woman who doesn't even barely speaks English from a small rural town in Haiti, and this is what she's able to do while raising two small boys, but I digress. Shout out to my mom, Renette. She's awesome. In any case, so my mind, already being a kid who likes science, my dad was a lab technician, worked in Brooklyn Hospital, worked with blood, was very much involved in math and science and political science. That's how his mind is geared. And here is my mom. She's a math, she's a science person, not quite a math person, but a science. So my mind, even though I wasn't great at math, I'm scientifically inclined. So I'm reading these journals and I'm like, oh, wow, wow, they got a such and such for this and they have a such and such for that. And they look at the breakthroughs and now they've seen certain improvements, but it's anecdotal. OK, well, you know, oh, wow, this is awesome. Intrigued me. So here I am. It's 2022 and I already have full knowledge. Listen to me now. I already have full knowledge that the vaccine the quickest vaccine to be developed in the United States was the mumps vaccine in the 60s. I already know that. This is 2020. We, we find out about COVID-19, the virus is all over the place. And I'm like, wow, this is a little crazy. I don't know what exactly this is. People are telling me, are you afraid of the vaccine? I, are you afraid of, I'm sorry, are you afraid of this virus? I said, I'm more afraid of government reactions to certain things. I was hearing the word quarantine in mandate being sort of whispered in the dark. And I said, I have to see government's reaction. I don't know what this thing is that's out there, but I'm more concerned. And I was more concerned with overreach. And people who know me who are listening to this know that this was my thoughts. People said, Jonah, you afraid of uh, what do you what are your thoughts on this thing that's out there that they're calling COVID-19? I said, I don't have any thoughts about it yet. I'm waiting to see how government reacts. And so I put my mask on and I put gloves on and I told my late my fiance, because at this point she was already working remotely early in 2020. I told her to stay home. Um, my mom was already in the house. She was retired since retired and she you know she was she had people helping her out and i said i will be the one who goes outside 
And I was the one going to grocery stores and helping out and doing everything for both my fiance, our apartment and my mother's uh, a place as well. And I was the one who would come into the house and take off my clothes immediately, put them in a bag and then go to the shower and change my clothes. I was doing that at my mom's house. I kept a, I kept a change of clothes at my mom's house and I had all, obviously all of my clothes with me and my girlfriend. So that's what I was doing early 2020. That's what I was doing. I put the mask on. I did that stuff. I did all of that that they told me to do. Gloves on, changing gloves. I had gloves, plastic gloves, disposable gloves in the car, in my glove compartment. Right? Did all of that. Everybody's car, every home, my mom's house, had gloves, everything. Did all of that. Then I'm hearing, oh, this is by July, June, July. Oh, there should be a vaccine in the works by the end of the year, early by the end of the year, end of 2020. And I looked at the screen and I said, huh, really? So we discover that there is a virus in late, late 2019. It hits the U.S. shores in 2020. And you're telling me in the same calendar year, there's going to be a vaccine for this thing. Okay. Mind you, I, like I said, me, I'm not a science, I, I don't have a science degree. My degree is a liberal arts political science degree. It's not science-based at all. I didn't take one science class to graduate college, okay, with my liberal arts degree. I didn't have to. But coming from a background, just my background, even just as a science kid, I wouldn't call myself a science nerd, but just, just normative life and seeing how long things took from being under a petri in a petri dish under a microscope to actually being approved for human use seeing how many years it took and knowing already that the quickest vaccine ever developed in the united states was for the mumps and that was four years okay with that being said you're telling me that you're gonna have a vaccine cleared in eight months for this thing and you're going to mandate it for every single American or else forgive those of us who were a bit hesitant saying, hey, can we have a conversation about this? Because obviously you haven't had enough human trials, if any, to actually figure out what are the side effects and how effective this thing of yours is because first it was called a vaccine and a cure and then it was not you know because it was saying this will prevent and then all of a sudden when it didn't prevent um occurrences of said COVID-19 then they changed the definition the goalposts kept getting moved because you didn't have any clinical trials so in any case there were many people out there all over the world all over the United States that said you know what uh I don't have to be a trumper I don't have to be an Alex Jonesian. I don't have to be a Joe Roganite. I don't have to be a Quinaner to say, eh, I think I'm going to take a second. I think I'm going to, hmm, eh, just going to wait and see. You know, explorers get slaughtered and settlers prosper, as the old saying goes. So I'm just going to wait for the explorers to go over the mountain and see what's going on. And then after that, whoever survives and comes back and tells me what's going on, then I'll, I'll make a decision. That's all. That's all. My body, my choice. Hmm. 
my body, my choice, my business. When people ask me, well, Jaloon, you know, have you taken it? I'm like, my body, my, my business. Uh, you know, I'll wait and see. I'm taking a wait and see approach. And oftentimes I didn't want to get into the politicized debate about it because it's not political. It's scientific. You have scientists from Johns Hopkins that are for and you have scientists at John, Johns Hopkins that are against. You have scientists and bacteriologists and immunologists and virologists from Harvard, Princeton and Yale that are for and you have those that are against. So there is not any general. There is not this overwhelming support. The overwhelming support has happened because there are many, many people that have been threatened. There are many, many people who've been credentialed for decades. There are associate adjunct professors at such and such medical community. They have been considered experts in the field. But as soon as they've come out against this particular vaccine, they've been ostracized and marginalized. They've, they've lost their positioning, they've lost their, their book deals, they've lost their, 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 their speaking engagement money. Now all of a sudden, and you got to ask yourself, why? Why is it that um, here we are, it's 2022, I'm sorry, it was in 2020, and if you experience any side effects from this particular vaccine, the federal government has granted Pfizer and Moderna immunity from all a, a, a litigation if something unintentionally goes wrong with you and it's very very rare that this sort of blanket immunity law has been passed so all of these things that were happening were literally unprecedented you're going to have a vaccine for something that that, that was discovered eight nine ten months ago in the same calendar year as it is as it's hit our shores really hmm interesting so now guess what? Guess what? The Food and Drug Administration announced that it was limiting access to Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine because of the risk of a blood clotting disorder that was discovered weeks after the vaccine was first put into use in the spring of 2021. Now, I have friends of mine who have taken the vaccine and are now getting blood transfusions. They're in the hospital now, not because they contracted COVID, but they're in the hospital now blood transfusions, all types of illnesses and ailments now because of a blood clotting disorder that was discovered weeks after the vaccine was first put into use in the spring of 2021. Let's think about that for a minute. It was discovered weeks after this vaccine was put into circulation. See, that's something you would have figured out if you had clinical trials. <laughs> Before you introduced it as a mandate to the public without conversation. I'm just saying. So when the likes of Kyrie Irving says, hey, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to, you know, my body, my choice. This is a this is an emergency use. You, you know, this is by congressional decree. We're putting this thing out on the market that has not yet been tested and proven to be what it's what it is to be. And we haven't fully uh, uh, explored what the side effects are. Um, I have friends in my age group now, and I'm quite young. There isn't a reason why so many of my friends are dying from heart attacks. This is just me. I don't know. I don't know if there's a correlation and causation, but I do know that most of my friends in New York felt that they had to get vaxxed or else, get jabbed or else, because in New York City was extremely stringent, and they, it was either that or lose your job. 
and um and they chose you know the job over their sovereignty see how sovereignty is funny because of the interdependence that we have see how sovereignty is funny you know we use the word sovereignty a lot of people have been using the word sovereignty to 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 to, to defend uh, uh 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 ukraine or oh, ukraine has the right to speak to this that and the third yeah you have the right to do something but it may be met with ramifications consequences repercussions and other things undesired results the same way as i have a right to say i'm not taking this particular vaccine if i lived in new york city or california but then that corp my company has the right now to say well you can't work for us you can't work for us and i can't sue you I can't sue the Food and Drug Administration for authorizing the vaccine for, for emergency use. I can't hold my employer accountable if they mandate this inoculation as a condition of employment. I can't do any of this. Everyone is immune to lawsuits. So there's no moral hazard. You know what a moral hazard is? That means when you do something, there's a consequence. And it's one of the reasons why you, 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 you weigh what you do. It's like, okay, if I'm going to create a product, I have to make sure that it's safe because if it's not safe, I am, I am vulnerable and I am open to litigation and punitive compensatory damages I'll have to pay out to the people that I have hurt. So I have to make sure that I have, I have um, weighed the pros and the cons of said product. You ever see those pharmaceutical commercials? You know, the pharmaceutical commercials where people are horseback riding. And bungee jumping and skydiving and having dinner in places that we, we don't eat at normally. And you're saying to yourself, wow, this, is that what I'm going to get with this drug? You know, those great pharmaceutical commercials. What do you get at the end of those commercials? You get a list of the side effects. A list of the side effects. That's due to clinical trials. That's due to vast amounts of research years after year after year. Where you're like, okay, these are the foreseen consequences or side effects of using said product. It's not medicine. It's a drug. Medicine is different than drugs. We'll have a conversation about the difference between medicine and drugs. Okay. But in any case, these drugs that are approved by the Food and Drug Administration, they already have side effects listed because of extensive clinical human trials from the animals, from the, from the rodents to the primates to us. Got it? With animals that share our biological makeup. And then from there, we know what they are. Well, we know a lot of what they are. But even then, there are recalls. Even then, there are lawsuits because companies have to do what they have to do to make sure that these drugs are as safe as possible for human consumption, okay? That's why lawsuits are a deterrent or an incentive for companies to do the right thing and to do as much research. So when you immunize companies from lawsuits from their product and you can, you can, I, they cannot be sued for damages over injuries related to their product, that is taking away moral hazard. You understand? But the reason for it was, oh, you know, we're trying to expedite the process and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we don't we don't want companies to feel that they that, that they're going to be hampered by lawsuits. No, I want companies to feel that they're going to be hampered by lawsuits. I want them to go through as many safety protocols and, and, and metrics as humanly possible. So, yes, I want them to be afraid of lawsuits. And if it means the vaccines and these things take longer and longer and longer, then so be it. But now you're discovering side effects.
later because you can't you couldn't tell anyone what the side effects were going to be because you didn't do any enough extensive trials so you couldn't have a commercial like uh, for this product or that product that's been on the market for however long because you didn't have the amount of clinical trials to list said side effects. So it's interesting to me to see that the my body, my choice, my business, sovereign, autonomous argument as it deals with women's reproductive rights is almost the point. It's like, yep, yeah, that's her right, her body, her right. The people, there are certain people on the left who believe that. Oh, and okay, fine, you believe that, that's great, no problem. Forget about what the man, forget about what the man put in her. He's, he has no input after he puts that in. That's fine. Okay, we just, we spoke about that before. We spoke about that. That's cool. Okay. Um, but when, when it's time for someone to say, hey, listen, um, you know, the quickest vaccine to ever be put on the market was four, took four years worth of research. Just saying, um, this, is, this is put into emergency use in eight months. And, uh... You had companies all over the place mandating that you take it or else. The government is telling you that you mandated. You had people on the left saying, well, if you go into a hospital and you were in a car crash, but you didn't get vaccinated, you shouldn't be treated. They were telling doctors you had if you go on certain forums, the woke population, which is mostly the woke population in America, people who leaned left were saying, if you don't take it, you're not an American you don't take this you're not a patriot if you don't take this you shouldn't get medical treatment or medical care for anything else that that's been the conversation that is an actual prevalent conversation Th there are certain luminaries on the left not just people on forums and keyboard gangsters and mouse mobsters like real intellectuals that i actually respected who've said yeah people who haven't taken the vaccine should self-quarantine themselves there are people and I said to myself, this is very interesting. This has become a religion. This has become a dogma. And everyone who was hesitant was dismissed as some sort of conspiracy theorist, hypocrite, trumper, quinoner. But how about the people in the Netherlands who were neither? They're not conspiracy theorists and Trumpers. How about the teachers, the mothers that were in New York City that were protesting with their mom, with their kids in hand saying, hey, listen, I don't want to put this in my body. I don't know enough information. How about the nurses and the doctors who abstained, who know more about bacteriology, vir virology, pathology than any of us do? They studied it. They had to get certified. They had to get tested, literally, academically in these things. And they said no. They got summarily dismissed because the mob came. You know, John Legend told you to take it and Morgan Freeman said it's OK. And Idris Elba said it was OK. And everyone's on television saying, let's do this. And and, and, and you know, media and and guess what? No conversation. So it, 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 it was interesting to me. That this was happening. Very, very interesting. That the my body, my choice and the sovereignty and autonomy conversation and legitimacy conversation completely changed and was upside down. The same people that are fighting for women's reproductive rights were the same people that were treating taking the vax as a religion. There are many people who are neutral politically that are just looking at it from a scientific basis saying, well, you, you're quoting one Harvard study that's saying do it. I'm quoting another one that says don't. I'm looking at years and years and years and decades and decades and decades of, of, of immunization procedures and seeing how clinical trials usually take years, years, if not decades. And this happened within months. 
so so for someone to say i'm I'm just gonna i'm gonna wait because i didn't even know what this thing was a year ago now you're telling me you have a, a quote-unquote cure for it i'm gonna take a minute and that was a problem so Kyrie Irving, I supported him in that decision. Whether I'm for or against the vax, it doesn't matter. I, I, I respect his decision to say this needs a, a longer conversation. This is an ongoing conversation that, what, that didn't happen. I remember uh, I was watching a former prime minister or a former uh, 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 member of the Australian parliament who was considered one of the greatest Australians, et cetera, et cetera. He was having a conversation some months ago and he said, Australia didn't have the conversation. Australia had some of the most repressive quarantines that you'd see. You weren't allowed to leave your apartment. If you left your apartment, the military and the police would pull you over and you had to have some sort of permission to go see a friend, a permission to go see a family member, permission to go to the supermarket, et cetera, et cetera. Yet, you know, and I have friends in Australia. Well, they weren't very close friends, but I had closer friends of mine that are in Hawaii that were in contact with other people in Australia. And I was in contact with them and they were sending me to the proper YouTube channels that were really accurately depicting what was going on on the ground. And this former Australian parliament member said Australia didn't have the conversation. Australia didn't have the conversation with its people. And for those of you out there who think that the quarantines were great and they were this, that, and the third, okay, fine, fine. You think we're better off. You think that the number's going down, that there's a you know, correlation between how many people have been vaxxed and not, and et cetera. Okay, fine, no problem, B good for you. And you think that the people who didn't take it are selfish and they're not selfless and they're not thinking about their fellow man, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, and they're not being patriots and citizens and true american citizens all right that's cool some may differ some may say listen there's a lot of information about alternative therapies to this particular vaccine that are already proven to work with certain certain pathologies that this virus has and it, here it is and they have the data they have the data that says hey this thing that's been around for 20 30 years can help can mitigate, can do this, can do that. Hey, Israel has a study, natural immunity. But another country has a study that says, eh, no, no natural immunity. Uh, uh, this one helps, this one doesn't. Okay. I'm just saying Kyrie Irving made a boss decision about his body and what he puts into it. That's what he did, which is interesting to me because if he, if he had a religious exemption, it would be okay. You, none of, respect, I respect everyone's religion, but no one out there can prove their religion beyond a reasonable doubt. It's not a matter of fact. It's a matter of faith. It's just what it is. But yet your religious exemption, you can trump any data. Right? Let's say beyond a reasonable doubt that this vaccine was 100% effective. 100% effective. But yet... Your religion says that you are not allowed to take any sort of inoculations, uh, any sort of medicines, etc., that don't come from the earth, etc., etc., and you get a religious exemption. So your faith can trump fact. Do you see what I'm saying? You see how things are upside down? So if he was able to claim a religious exemption because he was this religion or that religion, then he would let him off the hook to a certain degree, that his faith would trump certain facts. But because he's using facts or using the lack thereof, as far as he's concerned, he's considered to be an idiot. He's considered to be 
uh, uh, someone who's a, a flat earther or this, that, and a third or whatever the case may be. But there are plenty, plenty of learned people in these fields that have said, mm, I, I, you know, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And there's so many more are being, um, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it? Uh, shouted down and because of fear of reprisals and they don't want to lose their business practices, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's interesting to me. In any case, I just wanted to talk about that for a minute, that idea about sovereignty, that idea about supreme and absolute and unrestrained. Um, and people consider their bodies to be sovereign. And uh, this is my body. I have the right to put into it what I so decide and choose. But yet, so you think you may have the choice, but that doesn't allow you now to have the right to certain accesses to, to the things that society has built. You're going to have to live with your consequences of your actions. That's sovereignty. And so when certain sovereign countries do certain things, yeah, you know, this idea of sovereignty is a very, very interesting conversation. It doesn't mean exactly what people think it means. There's a certain level of interdependence there. You know, I personally, if I decided to take the vax, which I'm not saying I did or I didn't, my body, my business, but there's absolutely no way on God's green earth or whatever universal earth that whoever created this thing of ours, there's no way I would take it for a gig. If I were in the military, I would, I would leave. If I were, um, you know, had a great job and they said, you got to do this or else I'm not doing it for you. You, you. My love of a profession or my dedication to a particular field is not going to trump my idea of my body and my physical and mental sovereignty. I decide what I put into my body. I decide what I watch, what I read, what I eat, and what I, I decide. You don't get to decide for me. There are certain countries that I want to go visit, but the reason why I haven't gone to visit them is because of their inoculation protocols way before COVID. They're like, oh, no, you got to take this vax and this vax and this vax to enter that country. I'm like, really? Well, I guess I'm not going there. Can I go into, enter into another country and then drive into that country without getting that particular inoculation? People said, yeah, you can do it that way as well. I'm like, okay, I'll do that if I really so really want to be there. Or I will scratch it off my bucket list because, they're, because I've read the data on particular inoculations. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to, I don't want, I, I, it's not that deep. It's not that serious for me to go there if I have to do A, B, and C. I'm not going to do that. Get what I'm saying? And so... Your body, your choice, my body, my choice. That is the conversation in May of 2022. But it's been the conversation since 2020. There are many, many families who have, who have, have, it, have it exemptions where their kids did not get the, 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 the inoculations to go to certain schools. They went to parents would move their kids to certain school districts that didn't have vaccine protocols. And then certain colleges did. And so parents would say, hey, kid, if you want to take those vaxes, take them. But I'm just saying, you know, there's these other schools that say, hey, we don't care about all of that. So, all right, we just want your money and you have the grades and you have the money. Come on in. So there you have it. This 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 dance that we're doing with, you know, when I saw how, I see how Kyrie Irving is treated in this regard. I'm not speaking about his basketball prowess or whatever the case may be. Just in this regard, 
it, it really shows me the dangerous, the, the contradictory ground that we walk on, depending on said subject, you know, depending on what we agree or disagree with. I have certain friends of mine that have gotten vaxxed in New York and they treat it with a zealous fervor. They walk around mask policing people, even though it's shown that if we upgraded our ventilation systems, it would vastly improve our, uh, 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 what do you call it, um, um, uh, the, the air circulation, that masks in certain regards really don't reduce uh, a contraction of certain uh, uh, airborne viruses the way we think they do. Okay, that uh, that an upgrading of certain ventilation systems, which is actually minimal in cost, it's not as much as you think, it would vastly improve. So all the billions that are going here and the billions that are going there, a couple of hundred million dollars, and you can have a ventilation system in, in certain malls and airports and airplanes and things like that, that would vastly improve um, your lot as far as circulation, as far as being able to uh, eliminate certain airborne bacteria, things of that nature. I'm just saying. But all of a sudden, there was no conversation. People didn't give you a quote-unquote choice. And they said, hey, you can choose not to, but then you're not going to fly. You can choose not to, or you're not going to be able to have this job. You can choose not to. And it's like, oh, okay. But then if I, fa and I found a very odd religious exemption. So if I use a matter of faith, I can trump your matter of quote-unquote what you believe to be facts? Really? Okay. So I just shrugged my shoulders. I go, okay, no problem. We live in interesting times, as we always do. You know, very interesting, but it was something to consider. So, you know, your body, your choice. You know, we'll get back to that. In any case, the other thing I want to talk about, I want to give a rest in peace. <coughs> to a content creator that has died last week suddenly from what is from what people say is a heart attack his name is kevin samuels uh he's he's considered to be a controversial content creator whose content could be found on youtube on his channel or on instagram as well and as well as on tiktok um he was 56 or 57 years old he died at his apartment in Atlanta from an alleged heart attack. Now, this content creator called himself an image consultant, not quite a life coach. He said image consultant. And uh, what's interesting about him is his death, his life and his death have caught caused quite a stir amongst the online community that are that know him no one is on the fence about kevin samuels you like him you hate him you love him you swear by him or you swear against them no one's on the fence no one just shrugs their shoulders man or woman after they hear kevin samuels now what was kevin samuels doing kevin samuels said He's a, he's a, he's, he identifies as African-American and he would be identified as such. And he said he was trying to improve the lot of black men. He was part of what was considered the manosphere, which is a growing sect online of men speaking to men about what they need to do to improve, especially their relationship with the world and their relationship with their female counterparts. So the manosphere is dealing with heteronormative relationships okay 
man, woman, child, nuclear family situation, dating, whatever the case may be. Because as we know, if you go on television, you will see that it is dominated by women speaking to women. You have your Drew Barry, you have every show from daytime to nighttime seems to be women speaking to women. The only time men speak to men, it seems as if they're talking sports or if you're listening to Fox News or something along those lines. It's either Fox News or ESPN or something along those lines. Then you see guys talking to guys, but about relationships, about how men need to improve themselves, et cetera, et cetera, about things that women do. You know, you know, that may be detrimental to a man's uh, progress and process and purpose. You don't have those conversations anywhere. So the manosphere has been relegated to online. The woman's sphere is everywhere. Just saying. So that manosphere conversation, Kevin Samuels is considered one of the godfathers of that. And for several years, he was talking to men. He was telling men, get your ish together. Get on your purpose before you get a woman. Get on your purpose. You have to you have to make yourself the man you need to be to find the woman that you want. So it's not get the woman first. It's get on your purpose first. Find out what that purpose is. Get on it. And here are the metrics. He wasn't speaking in abstractions. He would give you a premise and then he would give you step by step. Now, I didn't watch him. I didn't know about this man until he did videos about women. Because he was speaking to men in very confrontational, caustic, straight language tones. The kind of tones that we would get for our grandparents. I had a grandmother, my mother's mother, my matriarchal grandmother. Her name is Suzanne. Suzanne was a straight shooter. Grandma was a straight shooter. She didn't have time to mix words with you. She would say, if you dress like that, you're not going to get a job. No one's going to love you. <laughs> if you do this, you're not going to get married. You're not going to have a family. You're going to be a bum. That was my grandma. And she had the highest pitched voice you ever heard. It was almost like a whisper, it was a wispy voice. Very high. I can't even reach that, that tone that my, my grandmother hit. It, but she cut to the chase. And you did not argue with my grandma because you knew one thing, that it came from a place of love and protection and provision. She was only speaking about what she thought was the right thing for you to do. She said, this is going to increase the, the likelihood of you getting the desired results that you want. So she would say things and you go, oh, damn, grandma, she didn't have to say it like that. I seen, I seen her do it to my mom. I saw her do it to her grandbabies. She did it to me. She did it to my brother. She did it to, I would go to Haiti and I would see how she spoke to people. But you know what? <clears throat> you had to ask yourself a question. If I were to implement all the things that grandma said for me to implement down to the letter, would it improve my lot? And guess what? If you got all of your wants and whims and wishes out of the way and you just did it her way, would it improve your lot in life? And guess what the answer was? It was a resounding yes. It would improve and it would, it would increase the likelihood of getting desired outcomes. That's Kevin Samuels. Just like my grandmother, an older generation that just cut to the chase. He was a Gen Xer, an older Gen Xer, and he cut to the chase. And men had to deal with it for years. I didn't know that until I, I heard his one video where he called a woman average at best. Average at best. And it was, uh, it was, went on, all, it went viral. That little tiny soundbite of about an hour long conversation. Oh my God, he called a woman average at best. He called a woman, how could he talk to a woman that way? Yeah, but you know what? Guess what? 
um, each and every one of us have to improve every day because the woman wanted something that was quite possibly outside of her, her, of who she was. Many of us are going to marry with a marry or couple or procreate with the people that are closest to us that are, you know, we are the average of the five people that we're around. We are who we choose. We are who we choose to procreate with. So if a woman comes to the table with two kids or one child from a previous relationship and that guy's in jail or that guy decided not to be with you or this, that and the third at that point, after you've given your womb or your this or your that to someone else, it doesn't entitle you now still to a man who's making $250,000 a year and, and he, you can be a housewife and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, 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 and uh, he's single and childless, but yet you're coming to the table with this, that, and the third. No, he's going to try to find somebody younger than he, single and childless, that's going to get on his program for the most part. So you've decreased your likelihood of finding certain things when you add certain things that are undesirable to the people that you want. You, if you want to be chosen, you have to come to the table a certain way or you're going to decrease the likelihood. Yes, we're always going to find the snowflake that found love after having three baby daddies and this, that, and the third, but you decreased your likelihood of that significantly. And then you're only going to get the aggregate of what you've already chosen to be with. You don't deserve any more than you've worked for. And that was his, pro his, his program's premise from day one. He was telling men, you don't, you don't get what you don't work for. You want that good job? And they say you need four years of college plus five years experience in the field. And man, you got to go to school. You got to take the entrance exams. You have to get a C or better in each and every class. You have to get letters of recommendation. You have to do all of these things, then get a secure an internship, then secure a job, get that experience in the field. Okay. And he, and what he was saying is, men, you have to get on your purpose. And then at that point, you're able to choose a woman who says, listen, I want a good man who's making this kind of money, who's doing this, and he's a protector, a provider, and this, that, and a third. But I got to be that woman who protected her womb, who protected her promiscuity, who protected her reputation to, for that to be chosen by that man. Most of us are going to live 20, 30, 40 square miles from where we grew up. Most of us are going to marry people that are similar to the people we grew up with or similar to the people that we want to be. We're going to to the person that we are. You are who you date. You are who you procreate with. And so he spoke to women. And by the time he spoke to women, women were like, I can't believe he's speaking to us that way. Yeah, but he was speaking to men that way for two, three, four years. No one cared because men speak to each other in direct tones with no filter. We don't tell each other the beautiful lie. We give each other the ugly truths. When my boys are doing something that I, I, you know, whatever, that's not leading them to the desired outcomes, I'll say, yo, man, you're messing up and this is why. But then as soon as you're speaking to a woman, you're framing it in different ways. There's this old quote by Dr. Well, it's not an old, old quote. I think it's Dr. Thomas Sowell. And he said, when you want to help people, you tell them what they need to hear. When you want to help yourself, you tell people what they want to hear. And if you look at the normative media, women who spend 70 cents of every dollar that's out there in all the regular items. You have women that are spending $200 a month on eyelashes and this much on hair. Men don't have that. Men go to get a haircut. It's 20 bucks. That's it. 
um, women that are spending money on candles and, and window treatments and different sunglasses and all of these little items. Men buy bigger items. We're the ones who are going to buy a boat and a plane and a phantom and a Ferrari and the house. But women are going to buy all those other little things. So we have an economy, a consumer driven economy that's driven by women's spending based on their emotions and based on women being told, OK, girl, you got enough, girl, do this and you do this. But so there is no money. There is no incentive in the corporate sphere to tell women the truth. And that's a fact. There is no incentive to tell women the truth. Kevin Samuels was speaking uncomfortable truths to women about what they needed to do if you reach a certain age and, you, and you've misused your high sexual marketplace value and you're reaching a certain age, you're going to have to make some fundamental changes to get that desired outcomes. Same stuff your grandma was telling you. The same things. So he saw that in what's considered to be black America was a state of emergency. 80% of children being born out of wedlock. Higher rate of suicide, low IQ scores, higher rate of juvenile delinquency, etc., 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 because people aren't coupling the way they used to traditionally, and these are the reasons why. So he's creating a metric because if you really want to build a community, because people like to use black and community in the same sentence, there's no such thing. Communities need standards, protocols, traditions, and values. And if you step outside of those values, there are consequences. But there is no standards, traditions, protocols, and values. He was instilling certain metrics that existed centuries ago or even decades and decades ago, what I would like to call pre-feminist movement that was saying, hey, listen, if you want to couple and truly build nation and nation building, it's going to start with how you present yourself to your man and how your man presents himself to you. Women didn't like that conversation. Men dealt with it. Women didn't like it. But then certain women would call up and support and say, hey, listen, I'm in my 30s. I've done this. I've done that. And I've noticed I, I am constantly going through a series of undesired outcomes when it comes to my intimate relationships. What am I doing wrong? I am the common denominator. So what is it? And he would speak to them. And there were plenty, plenty of women followers that listened, whether they loved him or hate him. But when this man died last week, there was a lot of rest in hell. This is karma. This is what he gets for being a misogynist. A man who's promoting marriage is not a misogynist. A man who's promoting nucle nuclear family is not a misogynist. A man who's thinking about nat nation building using a certain uh, proven metric is not misogynist. Because if every single last person in, in, the, in the niche or the demographic that he was reaching out to, which was predominantly black Americans, even though people from Australia and Europe and white people with Anglos would chime in and say what he's speaking about is an affliction that's affecting modern day relationships, regardless of race. They would all chime in But he was speaking to his what he considered to be his black brothers and sisters. He was invested. If anyone were to sit back and say, what if we just did what he said? Would it be an improved lot? Forget about what you want. Forget about your whims, wants, and wishes. If we did that, if we did, if we imp implemented the metric that he put, if you're a man and you went back to all of his videos and you implemented the metric that he put forth, would your lot be better in life? If you're a woman and you implemented the metric that he put forward, would your lot be better than life? In better in life? Would you increase the likelihood of the desired outcomes? And the answer is a resounding yes. 
The answer is a resounding yes. I tell people all the time, you can't have it all, dot, 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 at once. You can't have the six foot one, tall, dark and handsome, $200,000 a, a, a man who can please you and satisfy you and do this and do that and, and turn you into a housewife and et cetera, et cetera. If you are not a woman who is groomed for that role since you were a young girl, you have to be groomed. When people say, oh, I'm a queen and I'm a queen, you know, a queen is groomed to be a queen for her king early in life. You don't just get it because you come standard with a vagina or because you're cute and you can you can you can um, exact your pri pretty privilege exemption. No, it doesn't happen like that. You have to be groomed. You have to be shown. This is what a king, a man who is representing the, 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 the top 20 percent of men. This is probably what he's going to want. Do you measure up? Your LinkedIn profile and what a man's going to want are two different things. Your resume is different than what your, your, your intimate resume and your professional resume are two different things. The resume to get the job for your employer and the, rep and, and, and the resume that you need to become a man's life partner forever till death do us, those are two different resumes. And women oftentimes in the modern day America are using their LinkedIn resume to try to get a man. Yeah, I have a master's degree. I work hard. <clears throat> I own my own this. I own my own that. I'm blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Uh, I don't need a business partner. I need a woman. Um, that's great. That sounds awesome if, if you were, um, you know, um, applying for the, a, a professional job. But this is my, a personal job. So how does that make you more attractive to me? And that was scary for women that have been told for the last 40, 50, 60 years, go to work, go to work, go to work, go to work, get those jobs, get those jobs, get those jobs, get that education, get that education. First and foremost, forget about everything else. Forget about a man. A man is supplemental. He's not essential. A coupling is. And now guess what's happening during the great resignation in 2021? The overwhelming demographic that was leaving the workforce and wanted to be home with their family and their man and the overwhelming demographic that's suffering from professional burnout over the last two years has been women. Oh, lo and behold, you're like, wait a minute, I've been alone in a pandemic. I'm scared. I don't have a man. I don't have the oh, wait, wait, I don't have someone to comfort me, to protect and provide and provide. What's going on? And the ones who did said, I'm leaving the workforce. and I'm going to be home. I'm going to be home with my man, my husband, my children. And we're going to have we're going to we're going to reinvent family life. Oh, it's not all green in, in corporate America. Right. That cubicle isn't as sexy as you thought it was. Huh. Working 40, 50 hours a week during the most valuable times of the sunny day where peak vitamin D is in the sky and you're, you're stuck in some windowless environment with a title that someone told you was supposed to be so fulfilling and substantive. But meanwhile, biologically, because you are a social nurturing creature innately, based on just who you are in our species, you're finding yourself feeling unfulfilled and tired by the time you reach 28, 29 Got out, got out into the work field at 22, 23 years old and for five, six, seven years of trying to get titles and trying to prove to that boss that you're all that you can be. You're done. How do I know this? I just went to, I just graduated college in 2013. And now we're in 2022. 
and the majority, the overwhelming, the conversation I'm having with a lot of my female classmates that have graduated and have since gone on to their fields is that they're exhausted. They're ready to be a housewife now. Oh, but you weren't groomed to be that. No one told you. They're ready to have a family. They're ready to sit home and just have the man go into work and they take care of the house, take care of the babies and take care of their man and hopefully go on family vacations. Oh, now you're ready for that. But do you have the requisite qualifications? You were bred. You, you were groomed to be a worker for the, your employer. You were groomed to be a student for your professor. But were you groomed to be a wife and a mother? Mmm. So when Kevin Samuel says, hey, your, your LinkedIn doesn't link you to that other thing you want. Your professional LinkedIn doesn't link you to that personal life. And I'm trying to tell you what you need to do to now awaken that other side of you that you haven't been groomed to be. That you need to make some fundamental radical changes to be chosen at this point. Because you don't know the rules, tools and jewels. You haven't been told. And for that, this man has been lambasted. For that, for that, did you like his approach? I personally come from the come from the uh, uh, perspective that if the if the if the roof is on fire, you grab a megaphone and you tell everybody get the heck out now, and you scream it with a sense of urgency. And whoever doesn't like it, so be it. But this way, you're not going to burn. What's the alternative? Staying in this house? If I just go, hey, yeah, there's a little fire on the roof. It's not that bad. You, you're good. We're good here. You know the rain's going to come. We're going to manifest some water. And when we manifest that water and, and bring it into our consciousness, that's going to be our truth. And then that fire is going to be, it's going to go away. No, no. You're saying get out. This is what you need to do. He's trying to teach you fire prevention because it's already on fire. We got to put out this fire and make sure that we don't cause others. And if you need a megaphone to do it, and if you have to speak like a drill sergeant, sergeant to do it, then so be it. When you hear drill sergeants screaming at their cadets, yeah, because you're at war. And if you're trying to have a family in 2022 with all the energies that are out there, Listening to celebrities and their dysfunction, listening to your politicians and their dysfunction, Leg listening to legacy media and its dysfunction and agenda. You're at war with people that are trying to break up your family. And if you don't and if you think I'm being hyperbolic, if you think I'm being hyperbolic and you think June is being an alarmist, come on, man. Look at what they're teaching your children or what they've been teaching your children or after all of these years. Look at the state of America right now. Increased teenage homicides, increased teenage suicides. Kids have uh, uh, social media anxiety, withdrawal from from um, fear of missing out, and whether they're on Instagram or Facebook, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is what's going on, and we're not working together. So you have more parents having more more parents having kids out of wedlock, and a single parent, and that parent has to work 10, 12 more hours a day to take care of this young child on their own because we haven't learned how to get along with each other, and in the meantime. We're just online getting mad at each other and taking in all of this doom scrolling that we're doing, looking at doom and gloom, doom and gloom and doom and gloom. And your children are ingesting this doom and gloom. And then you send them on their way into their room with a tablet and a television and, and the Internet. And now they're getting all types of different kind of value systems that you're not a, that you're not privy to. We had this conversation. In the previous episodes. We had this conversation. So these kids are pretty much being raised by everything else except their parents. 
you're at work eight, nine, ten hours a day. Then you come home, you make a little food, and then boom, send the kid off to bed. That's five days a week. So 10, 12 years later, that child doesn't know you, and you don't know that child. Who are you, and who are they? So when you have a man that's on there saying, this is, your, this, this is what it is. This is what you need to do to improve that. This is what you need to do. You need to couple. Man needs to know what his purpose is. Woman needs to know what her purpose is and get together. All of this, you can have it all. We can do it all. No, you can't. No, you can't. You cannot do it all. You cannot do it all. Life is about trade-offs and compromises. You can't have it all and you can't do it all at once. You can't have the great family and still have the 50, 60 hour a week job and be a great parent. No, you're being a great employer, employee, but you're not being a great parent. Respectfully, just saying. Can't, can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways if you've decided to have these children out of wedlock. I'm, I can do it alone. Yeah, you, you can give birth to that child alone, but it took two to procreate and it takes two to parent. You're the one who's giving birth. So women who think that, yeah, she can do it on her own, I can do it on my own. And men who are thinking, yeah, she, uh, she got it. Yeah, she's a good mother. Yeah, 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 but you got to be a good father. And his show is about that. His show is about that. Now, people can say he was misogynistic or his tone was petty sometimes and his messaging and his toning and his framing. I don't care about all of that. I don't care. And you shouldn't either because we've all had those parents or those people in our lives that meant well but they had a gruff way of letting us know that rough uncle that rough auntie that rough grandma and grandpa but they meant well and when I listened to Mr. Samuels that's what I heard I heard my grandma when she used to just be gruff with me like June if you do this they're gonna look at you like you're a bum I'm like damn I thought grandmas were supposed to be cuddly man I'm like 10 years old you're gonna be considered a bum if you do this you're going to consider this, that, and a third. I'm going to tell you a story real quick. I have my, um, my second cousin. You know, the, um, actually my, my, yeah, I guess, is it my second cousin? Yeah, it's my second cousin. He's tall. He's about 6'4", I guess, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, I think. And he was tall. He, he sprouted up at 12, 13 years old. He just all of a sudden was like 6'1". But he was still walking as if he was, you know, 5'4", five, 5'5". So he'd walk with his head drooping down. That's how he would walk. And because oftentimes when you get tall early, you, you're self-conscious because everyone around you is so short. So you start to weigh yourself down and you try to be the aggregate height of the people around you. I always talk about that with intelligence. If you are the smartest person at your table, go to the smart. When they say if you're the smartest person at a table, go to a table. Whether you're the dumbest person, always be the dumbest person at your table. So you're the one learning because you're the one always reaching. You're not all the w always the one having to dumb down your intelligence constantly. So people who are really, really tall. I, I know women in my family that are tall. And every time they take a picture with someone who's shorter, they're always bending down and they look hunchbacked. And they're the ones who look awkward while everyone else is looking comfortable. But if you if that person were to stand with their head up high, everyone else would feel the inclination to do the same. But the people who are taller always find a way that they don't want other people to feel short. So my grandmother used to watch my cousin walk around with his head drooping and she saw him walk like that. And she said, listen, if you walk with your head 
down and all you're looking at is the floor and not looking up at the sky, you cannot sit and eat dinner at the table with me. You have that height, own it, own your height. And so he went several months where every time he forgot to walk with his head high, he was deprived of a meal. He was deprived of a meal, trying to walk all lanky like Jar Jar Binks from Star Wars. My grandma was like, no, you're not sitting at the table and eating with me if you're not going to own your height. Own how tall you are. You're tall, you're slender, you're a beautiful human being. Walk it, own it. And every time he forgot, he paid a price for it. Now, some people may think that, woof, that was, that was a, uh, he said, people are going to judge you by the first time they see you. They're going to make a judgment call immediately. And if you walk in the room like you own the room, you will own the room. And you'll own the, the, the idea of yourself in that room. You will control the idea of yourself. This is my grandma, rural Haitian, doesn't know how to read or write, talking to this young boy. Now that young boy is a married man, two beautiful children, owns his home, owns his Mercedes. And he walks with his head up high. He owns his height. Those little lessons, they may sound rough. It's not framed the best. It's not, oh, yeah, okay, baby, just walk with your head high. No, because the world is not a place that's going to give you several chances to make a first impression. As they say, it takes one time to make a first impression. And so what my grandmother instilled in many, many people, including my mom and many others, was you got to own the you, you got to own yourself. You have to be self-aware. You have to be self-conscious. You have to be improving on yourself. No, you're not good enough right now. You're not enough. That's why you go to school. That's why you wash yourself in the morning, because how you woke up is not enough to go and enter out into the world. You have to do certain things. You have to wash you have to wash your face. You have to brush your teeth. You have to groom yourself, put on the proper clean clothing. You have to smell a certain way. Then you can enter out into the world. Own your own conversation. Own your impressions. Own your narrative. And that's Kevin Samuels' legacy. My condolences go out to his family. I heard he has a daughter and he has a mom who's still alive. And it's no, no mother wants to bury their, their child. And she's going to have to bury her son. And I respect that man's message. I respect its delivery. I respect its sense of urgency. I respected all of it. I don't have to sit there and go, I didn't agree with everything. I don't need to preface or premise or disclaim. I don't have to do that. I don't have to preface. There's no one on earth that we 100% agree with. But I agree with the sentiment. I agree with the intent. I agree with his investment. I agree with that. And for that, he will be missed. But he also has 700 plus videos. And I hope those videos aren't taken down. And I hope the people that are now, you know, his former business associates and family and friends will download all of the videos in its entirety so it can be kept for not only posterity's sake, but it's still valuable information that one can use decades, if not centuries into the future, because we're still studying Stoics and Aristotle and Immanuel Kant and, 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 and Foucault and, and Aquinas centuries after they lived on this earth. And there's certain premises that he espoused that can be used decades and decades. It's not old. It's not dated. It's traditional, but that doesn't make it dated. And for that, I respected that man and I'm on the record 
as respecting that man. And for those who wished him death and those who celebrated his death and are dancing on his grave even before he's been put into the ground, you know, I don't want to say that shame on you, but if you've digitally put that out into the universe, I would suggest that you delete that. That's not going to age well because it's not aging well in its present time. It's definitely not going to age well into the future. If I were you, if you were out there dancing on his grave on Twitter or on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or whatever, I, I, I would say that, that that's not going to age well. Um, I hope that there's someone qualified enough from that generation is giving that image and that messaging that, that would carry on tradition. But in the meantime, I would suggest that everyone go out there and watch his videos in its entirety, not go on, listen to sound bites and reaction videos from others that are just taking the most provocative uh, 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 segments and framing it into conversations. No, no, no. Long form conversations. If you didn't get it from your father or your mother or your uncles or your aunties or your grandpa or your grand, uh, grandma, there's certain things that he's saying that are based and rooted in traditional heteronormative nuclear family dynamics. And if you want to counteract all the interesting energies that are going on that are antithetical to your traditional value system, you might want to just peek in and listen in its entirety. And just watch. Yeah, you may get two, three, four minutes that you disagree with. Just the same as my pro platform. There are going to be some things you completely disagree with. And then there are going to be some things where you're like, I am so on board with that. That you couldn't agree more. And there are other things that you couldn't disagree more. So what? Welcome to the real world. Welcome to the world that doesn't have participation trophies. Welcome to the world where you're accountable. That, that the a cruel, cruel place where you get fired and you don't get hired, where it's win or you lose. There's the sum game. That's the world. That's the world. And we all get called out, all of us, in some way, shape, or form. That's the real world. And that's the world that Kevin Samuels exposed women to, that they're not exposed to. Men, we get called out all the time. We get called out all the time, especially if, as a black man. You're told you're not doing this, you're not doing that, you're not doing this. Barack Obama went to a college, a, a group of black college graduates, I think at Howard University, telling them, oh, the world doesn't know you anything. Blah, 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 blah. You better go out there. Like, wait, these dudes graduated college. You'd think that, you know, I, I believe in 100% full employment for college graduates. That's me. If you decided, you kept your nose clean, you borrowed the money, you went to school, you did everything your professors asked, I think there should be 100% full employment for, for graduates of college in the field of study, in their field of study, period, at a living wage. That's me. He went to a school. He didn't go to a prison. He went to a college with graduates telling all of these black men, eh, so what? Who cares? Boo-hoo, boo-hoo you. He didn't go to the black woman's school because I think that that was an all-male school and there's an all-female school. He didn't go to the all-female school and tell them the same thing. The message that they got from other people was, you are enough, you're going to rule the world, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and you go, girl. That was the message. So the messaging that men get is very starkly different than the messaging that women get. We get, you're accountable, you ain't doing enough, you got to do, you ain't doing, you're not doing. But then the other side gets constant affirmations. So when they're criticized and you end up dying like a Kevin Samuels, people call it karma and things like that because no one liked the way it's framed. I appreciated the framing because that tough love, 
makes for people that understand that the world can be tough. It prepares you for a tough world. It prepares you for a world that is unforgiving at times and that is going to expect you to be contributory and, and bring value. It's not what you did lately. It's not what you did yesterday. It's what have you done for me today. How have you added value today? What are you doing? And my grandmother, she held me, held us accountable and said, if you're not bringing value, you're useless. Hmm? Can't walk in a room like that. Why don't you get a haircut yet? What's taking you so long? You got to do what you got to do. You got to be presentable. You people got to, you got to, the self-awareness, self-conscious all the time. How do I improve? And Kevin Samuels was espousing that to both men and women in the modern generation of participation trophies and pats on the head and being told that they're enough. Meanwhile, the world is constantly asking more of you. And yet these pat on the head affirmationists are not doing you any, uh, uh, they're doing you a disservice. And what he did was essential. He was an essential worker for a population whose demographic is, is, is losing at an alarming rate, losing, losing the idea of family, losing in the workplace, losing in the, in the, in the, in the college sphere, whether in the, when they do graduate college, they're the most indebted, they're the least likely to be able to pay off the loans and get top dollar in their professions, all of that. So coupling is important. Working together and combining ideas and incomes and, 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 and lifestyles and, and households is important. And that's what he was professing. And I appreciated it. And he will be missed. On that note, hope each and every one of you has a wonderful day. And um, till we meet again.